Expanding reality. Christian Yordanoff, welcome to the show, man. Uh, you are a dear friend. Uh, you had me on your incredible show, Connecting Minds, which will be, of course, located down in the show notes, my friend. Uh, you look and sound better than ever. You and I have been hanging out here, having a great time. So I figured we'd let the audience in on it. How are you today, my friend? Brendan, I'm great. Thank you so much so, so much for having me. Uh, this is such a special occasion for me that I did my hair good and I wore two colognes for you. <laughs> the two colognes. I, I lo- <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Christian. Um, <laughs> because it's an audio medium, brother. I mean, no one's going to know that you're wearing two clones, but I love it anyway. I'm, I'm grateful for the ridiculousness. Thank you, brother. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, for my audience uh, that's not too, too familiar with you, if you don't mind, all the ways, of course, uh, located down in the show notes to find him. But Audio-wise here for my audience, it's not too familiar with you. If you don't mind, let us know who you are, brother. Um, I am a simple boy from the village that I'm from Bulgaria originally. I've lived abroad most of my life, or at least two-thirds of my life I've been in, you know, here and there, Ireland, South Africa. I've lived in Spain. I'm in Portugal now for the last five years. And I... I'm one of those people that have a ton of different interests. I guess I'm, I must be like you. I, actually, I'd love to find out your birth date uh, later. I'd love to read. I have this amazing book about the secret language of birthdays. And it's uncannily, what's written about my birthday is uncanny. It might as well, the guy might as well have been spying on me for the last 37 years to write that freaking two-pager on on my birthday. But um, yeah, so... I feel like that's why we we connect so well is a lot of varied interests. And one of my big interests is um, health and sort of some of my more recent projects is uh, three years ago in 2020, I published a book on autism that I've been researching since 2018. So that's one, I suppose, one thing that I like to talk about is uh, my research into autism, children's health. And, uh, you know, these are some of the biggest interests that I have, but I, I've, I've a number of, you know, I love, I, I, you know, for my podcast, people will see, and I, just like yourself, and like I have a ton of different varied interests from esoteric stuff, conspiracies, psychedelics, you know, psychology, philosophy. Um, and I love the fact that my wife, she, she, she's got, gotten used to me now where every three months there's a new hobby. I have a new hobby uh, and she's like, oh my God. What will what will it be next? She's always like, I wonder what to like. But at this point, the anxiety factor has been taken out. So she's like, uh, very early on, you know, even like almost f- five years. We're together like seven years I- I- next week, and like five years ago already, she was like, I don't think I will ever be bored with you, you know. No. So that's a little bit about me. <laughs> that's perfect. And congratulations on your successful relationship. Thank seven you, is the year uh, that my uh, wife and I's relationship changed. Now, is that together seven or married seven? Um, Together seven. Gotcha. Two years married soon. Gotcha. Okay. It was yeah. seven years married that ours really took kind of an interesting turn. And that's a real benchmark for marriages. So we'll talk about it uh, when you hit that mark, which you will successfully just, y'all will dance, dance by together. Uh, so and how long are you together? Uh, we will be married uh, just here in a couple of months. We'll have been married nine years. Uh, wow. We've been together 13. Yeah. Wow. Bro, yeah. But amazing. at the seven marriage, seven year marriage mark is a big one. And we started looking around, looking at other, uh, finding that phenomenon in other couples as well. It's like five, like one is huge. And then uh, three is huge. Five is huge. And seven is really huge. Love that. 
Yeah. And uh, it's just really interesting benchmarks where you just really kind of shed these layers and you either submit to the process or you really, really uh, thrive together. And so it's either it, it's just this really interesting thing that we found. But back to you, my friend. Yes. Autism, a well-being plan, how to get your child healthy, as well as your podcast, Connecting Minds and Autism and Children's Health will be located down in the show notes, dude. Um, you I. My wife and I listened to your show on Tinfoil Hat and, um, you know, I'd gone on your show before we'd listened to that. And my wife was asking, she was like, who's, whose show were you just on when we had gone out? And I'd shown her. And so we'd listened to your episode on Tinfoil Hat and dude, uh, just the, what you talk about and the way that you present health and, uh, the reverence that you have for other folks empowerment towards their children's and their own health is what I'm so impressed with with this. And we are going to get into some freaky woo-woo stuff as well. But I'd like for you to talk to us, if you don't mind, about the hidden uh, health uh, problems. I call them opportunities in disguise. But some of the autism hidden opportunities in disguise uh, as far as the health industry goes. You mean in general or, or for autism? Yeah, for autism. For autism. Yeah, so actually when, when I was doing my functional diagnostic nutrition course, um, the guy that started the functional diagnostic nutrition very very awesome guy i've had him on my podcast um he actually that's how he frames when you when you run a lab test let's say you do you do a urine test and you discover some type of what let's say a researcher might call an abnormality uh or an aberrant uh something or other he would call them those are oppor- <clears throat> excuse me those are opportunities to improve health and this is how we we like to frame things right so opportunity so you you to just to kind of step back a little bit so from my research into autism right what's very uh, and and i in in my book in basically on the first page of the the introduction i cite i think 22 or 23 papers where i basically tell you if you're if you're as as a parent if you're you suspect your child is on the spectrum or they have been diagnosed with uh, ASD, autism spectrum disorder, it is very likely that they have one or more uh, uh, hidden underlying health challenges, aka something that you can find or uncover and, you know, address with the help of your practitioner, ideally. And these health challenges or opportunities to improve health include things around the microbiota. A lot of these kids have, you know, uh, bacteria and yeast that not shouldn't necessarily be there or in such large numbers. They have some immune dysregulation, food sensitivities, which, you know, goes hand in hand with gut stuff and immune dysregulation, he- uh, accumulation of toxic metals and chemicals, uh, uh, sort of decreased capacity to... Um, detoxify foreign compounds like that and so on and so forth nutrient deficiencies and i love i love how you frame it is because these are opportunities for the parent once you and uh, this isn't too complex right uh you know the book is 300 pages long and it could have been easily double that but at, at the crux of it it's it's three or four things you need to do so you, you run three or four tests as a parent with the help of your doctor or practitioner, whatever uh, practitioner you're working with. And we just analyze the, the person's metabolism. And this goes for any any person that may not be currently in an optimal state of health or someone that are doing okay, they think, but they want to, to be better or they want to thrive better or they want to age slower or they want to, you know, increase athletic performance or increase mental performance, let's say, for their 
let's say they're an author, performer of some kind, actor. And it's always the same things. They just express themselves in different ways in different people. And if you have enough, let's say, imbalances that um, accumulate, you know, over the entire met metabolism over a long enough period of time, that can cause <clears throat> some type of dysfunction which can lead to symptoms, be they psychological, uh, behavioral, or physical. So with, with autism, what I like to do normally is when I start working with a client and their kid is, let's say, two, three, four years old or seven years old, whatever, we run a couple of tests and we assess metabolic function. So we look at, um, you know, uh, certain B vitamin status, antioxidant status. We look at gut, uh, you know, uh, signs for gut dysbiosis. We look at, um, uh, you know, depending on the resources available, we can run some hair testing and now some urine testing to assess is there um, too much chemical tox exposure, toxi uh, you know, chemical toxicity? Is there heavy metals, you know, being excreted in the hair? And Sometimes we do a gut um, uh, a stool test to to you know assess if there are pathogens, bac bacteria, parasites, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And with that, the parent now and with a little bit of education from the practitioner, in this case myself, from uh, with a bit of education from the practitioner and support, the parent now is empowered to you know improve the child's diet, which is you know a huge huge piece of the puzzle get some high quality supplements to support the child in rebalancing these things uh, you know be be that you know in, improving antioxidant status uh, you know improving nutrient status of vitamins minerals etc uh, you know coaxing out the bad bacteria let's quote unquote or the pathogenic bacteria or the opportunistic bacteria a lot of these are not necessarily bad but they're opportunistic. So if you have an imbalance in the gut, they will overwhelm the good microbiota. So with a little bit of herbal support, some probiotics, um, a little bit of uh, lifestyle interventions, I think that these are super important. You know, adding a shower filter uh, to, so you don't get chlorine on the skin and, uh, you know, inhaled when your, your child is bathing. Um, you know, getting a reverse osmosis system to make the water more pristine. Obviously, organic food, I already mentioned diet is a huge aspect. So reducing the toxins coming in through the diet. And then, of course, the vitamins, minerals. So we improve. Basically, we are, what the, the point of this whole sort of program is to remove the impediments to the child's development. So when a child is born, I, I love to talk about how when a child is born, the vital force is just just radiating out of this child and it takes a lot like we're actually very resilient as humans right it takes a lot to get somebody to you know develop overt symptoms and disease so a child with uh you know unfortunately the the, the world is a little bit a little bit polluted in case folks have a notice so these kids they're even though they're under tremendous you know stress uh physiologically they're still able to grow develop and you know develop cognitively and physically but some kids uh, as we can see uh there's the process is slowed down because of you know nutrition nutrient deficiencies um you know gut imbalances immune aberrations and so, and so on and so forth so if we remove these impediments these are the opportunities that we're talking about. These are opportunities to uncover, identify hidden impediments to health. And we are now 
the opportunities to you know fix the little issues here and there remove those impediments now the child is allowed to thrive as much as possible as much as their genetic potential will allow and this is again we do that we do this with I've worked with people from the age of two to the age of 72 and with an adult with you know someone with gut dysfunction with someone like uh, again that just wants to be a better you know programmer um the the factors that the impede our thriving and optimal health are pretty much the same across the board it's about identifying what that person's particular set of circumstances are what their healing opportunities are and then again you're teaching the person or the parent how to do it themselves or for to help their child do it you 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 know we're not like practitioners of of our kind we're actually educators you know and um i think this is wherein lies the secret to to you know improving the state of things the state of the the health of the general population is literally it's uh uh, uh educating par- young young kids parents to be uh, new parents anybody that you know with the eyes eyes to see and the ears to hear you know if we can educate folks no matter what part of the journey they are on we now have an opportunity to for that person to basically change the like you like to say sometimes step into a new timeline so imagine you get a 26 year old uh couple and we teach them about healthy eating a little bit of supplementation how to prepare better for pregnancy we now have equipped these folks to have a healthier child make sure that child has stays healthy educate that child how to continue to stay healthy when it's out of the nest and so on and so forth with with their kids 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 grandkids and that's now we have we are laying foundation the foundations for transgenerational health. Yeah, dude. And the way that you do this, the thoughtfulness and mindfulness that you have in this entire approach, top down, has been so remarkable, man. Uh, what would you say the feedback has been for some folks uh, that you have taken from this process through to birth? Have you have you been able to introduce this to anyone from there and then followed up? Um, well, I, I I've kind of the last two years I've. I've been mostly working with this in in my family because you know my my wife and I uh she she got pregnant in 2021 so I, that was the my biggest sort of <laughs> project since since there um I, at the moment at the moment I'm kind of getting really deep into the genetics of uh you know pre, uh, sort of preconception and pregnancy stuff so there's a number of different we we've gotten quite far with the ge- genetic side of things so uh, I'm planning to create a course with my wife um to you know to basically educate uh, it, it's going to be around pregnancy preparation and recovery right um but I've not actually worked too too closely with like a a woman before birth. I've helped with quite a few women recover from like a a second pregnancy and so on and so forth. Uh, But this process is a little bit I I can run on onto some some ladies that you know may want to consider getting pregnant soon. So yeah, it's it's kind this this particular aspect is a work in progress it's it's fascinating too the mindfulness again the the mindfulness approach so with this the health benefits there's a psychological component to this as well and i'm grateful that you mentioned the uh 
epigenetics, which I want to come back to. But what about the psychological component with this, with the mindfulness of that, you know, dis-ease is literally just, uh, you know, mental disease found manifest in the body. What are your uh, thoughts on something like that? Well, this is huge, bro. And just like I, to be, to be perfectly honest, uh, I learned a lot of this stuff while my wife was pregnant. I made a lot of mistakes on this side of things. So in terms of physiological health, in terms of all this, dude, the supplement, I, I tell you very few women on planet earth ate as well and had a, a supplementation program as good as my wife did when she was pregnant. I, I guarantee you that guarantee you that but i did make some mistakes um in terms of what came out of my mouth right so it i wouldn't it wouldn't be necessarily about like if if i let's say i was reading some research about you know this particular um uh uh whatever health issue can cause xyz um uh birth outcome i didn't say things like that it was more about um like i would read some news or, or some, some conspiracy, you know, it's kind of deep into conspiracy research a little bit uh, while she was pregnant. And I would just like share over, it was kind of during the COVID stuff. I would overshare things uh, related to the, the, the COVID stuff. And, and she didn't like, since I, I've since understood that she's a, a very sensitive person and we both are very sensitive people. So something that I see that doesn't perturb me, I understand now that it does perturb her a lot more, even if she's not pregnant, but when she's pregnant, even more so. So I made a mistake that so it's super important, not, not, not just if a, uh, if a woman is pregnant, but the psychological stress is a huge thing because if you sort of trace it back to, I, I love that there's a dude called Brendan Vermeer. I've had on my podcast, he's a great sort of uh, functional a student of functional medicine and natural medicine uh he's just genius level um and i love i love what he said one day when I, when i was interviewing him he said thoughts create proteins so when you have a th um let's say uh uh some type of thought that's let's say quote unquote negative or let's say something fearful it it, it creates a cascade of you know neurochemicals get created so these neuro neurochemicals sort of uh they go hand in hand with emotions that get expressed so emotions you know the feeling of an emotion it's th these are neurochemical cascades so if you get scared or stressed you know you have cortisol rises adrenaline rises <clears throat> norepinephrine all these chemicals so so certain chemicals go up others uh, others get suppressed so there's kind of negative feedback loops and so on so for example you know if cortisol rises um uh, and adrenaline rises, you know, it sends signals to the body to start breaking down muscle tissue to to create glucose because what's what's the point? Uh, it's because that glucose now will be very handy if you have to fight, you know, if you're, you know, have to run away or you're hunting an animal. So th there's other things like uh, certain minerals like magnesium, calcium, zinc, they start getting uh, released. Like you can actually see that in hair, hair tests of people that have been like in a shocking event. You can see like a very high excretion of certain, you know, nutrient minerals and so on and so forth. There's, there's many cascades. And um, so in hindsight, uh, you know, obviously I would have kept my mouth shut about and now like we were actually just a quick, quick little side story. I, I mentioned it to you last time we spoke. So we went to a, 
this very cool homeopath up here in the mountains in uh, in the Portugal, in south of Portugal. And um, he has this bioresonance machine where he asks the question in his mind. You hold this cut of electrode and he presses, the, he completes the circuit with another metal bit. And using his machine, he asks questions and uh, he gets the answer. Like the guy's 79 years old. His skin is perfect, like amazing guy, just amazing. And he, he, he knew things about us by questioning stuff about us through the machine and this bioresonance method um that he, he just couldn't know otherwise <clears throat> so he 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 knew we were both very sensitive people but when he spoke um uh when he was kind of analyzing my wife he said that her aura is very open and a couple of the chakras were out of balance so when your aura is very open from what i understood what he said is when your aura is very open you're like a lot of influence so you you're open to other people's emotions so she would like i would sometimes tell her like um something happened to a friend like let's say someone uh someone's kid was sick and she would feel it so my in hindsight my wife would like feel things that you know for me and you it would be like benign just say oh you know like such and such this dog died and like oh that that sucks i'm sorry to hear that but you wouldn't be so empathetic that she would, she would feel the pain of the person. So again, in hindsight, had I known this, you know, uh, I guess two years ago, I would have just kept my mouth shut uh, for about a lot of things. I would just literally be just, and now I do that. I'm like, I don't, I don't talk about negative things. And, and she's in a, a little bit of a uh, kind of a, a negative sort of uh, moment. I'm, I'm always, especially after I talk to you, I'm like always trying to alchemize it, always trying to be positive. And it is having an, a, a tremendous impact so just to answer your question more sort of directly yes the the psychosocial stress is a huge part of dis-ease and overt disease and um uh one thing just a, a little we can obviously we can talk about this issue ad nauseum so just to kind of wrap it up is one thing that i i like to a technique i like to introduce to my clients and, and friends and family as well is if you've ever heard of EFT, which is known as emotional freedom technique, also known as tapping. So where you, you do like the setup statement, you tap your uh, karate chop point, and uh, then you, you you bring up the emotion that's perturbing you, anger, frustration, whatever, and <clears throat> you frame it in, a, in the context of self-acceptance. And then you tap these seven or eight um, acupressure points or acupuncture points on the face and and the torso so you got your you know your the the bridge of the nose the eyebrow under the eye and so on and so forth people if if people are interested google dawson church basic eft recipe and it's like an eight minute video he'll explain how to do it and you learn the technique in in 10 minutes and now you have a tool for life that you can teach to kids and my wife was doing that um, and, and anytime she's had stress and even when I get pissed off and whatever, I use it and I've, I've given it to friends or like when a relative dies or whatever. So, and my mom's with, auti with, with autistic kids, especially. Um, so what this does is it brings up the emotion, you expose to it and then you frame it in a sort of self-acceptance context. So you're not guilt, guilt, feel, feeling guilty that you have this emotion and then tapping these points uh, on the the face and the torso basically it sends a signal to the body that everything is okay so this allows you to decouple the thought from the emotion and you do that a few times so you get get a low score in terms of the intensity and now you're able to think about an event or whatever thing that you know 
pissed you off or makes you sad or 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 whatever. It even works for pain, PTSD, anxiety, uh, depression. They've done tons of research on it, and now you're able to you know bring the thoughts up um, without necessarily triggering the emotion. So that's a little tip to to handle that side of things because you brought a great point point up, Brandon. Is this for some people, this this they might be perfectly healthy, everything's dandy. But if you've got a lot of work stress or like a you know relative like like family stress, uh, COVID that 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 made a lot of people overtly sick uh, from the stress. So being able to manage stress with this technique and other other techniques is extremely important. Dude, you nailed it with this. And I, I, I not to put you on the spot, but do you want to run through one for anybody out here um, who's not familiar with EFT tapping? I'm a big fan of this. And so actually anybody that's in your car, if you're driving right now, just kind of pause this, note the timestamp and come back to it. Audio only audience, actually, uh, if you want to participate in this with us, check the video version. It's uh, linked right down in the show notes there. Come directly over to the video to this spot and let's do some EFT tapping, man, because I'm a big fan of this kind of stuff. And let's walk through folks one uh, to get it actionable here. What do you think? We could do that. I'm not. I'm. I'm not an expert. I've only like learned the basic one, but we can do that quickly. So, your karate chop point is basically, you know, if you were do to do a karate chop point, like if we're gonna hit a plank to break it, like a Shaolin guy or whatever. So your karate chop point there, you just tap it with your four fingers. So you, first you you bring up an event that kind of annoyed you or an emotion in the last kind of week or two that annoyed you or made you something that made you angry, and you're just trying to. Get that feeling. So let's say I, I just kind of uh, think of. Uh, why, don't you know, we, why don't we do a collective one? Let's do a collective yeah. one. COVID. Yeah. Okay. Just for okay. all the stresses and everything that went through with COVID for anybody who didn't take it like we did for the way we took it for the challenge for all of that event for everyone here. Let's tap out that energy collectively for everyone and make this sort of a global manifestation, if you will. Now, I do have right. a question for you before we get yeah. started. Do you left hand tap on your right or do you right hand tap on your left? Is that significant or important in any way? From what I understand, it doesn't matter. Okay. I just use my dominant hand to tap, uh, but you can do any side of the face or, or the torso. Okay, perfect. And so, some guys, some guys do the 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 crown chakra point up here, Dawson Church, the way um um uh, the video that I just mentioned, he doesn't do that one. So the, here's the thing, just fr from what I understand, it's the benefit you get is from that particular tapping session is it may be only one of the points that is actually causing you the sort of the relief, but the, the exercise is so you cover all of them just to kind of, you know, to take the guesswork out of it, you know, which, which, uh, you know, oh, I wonder if this point is going to give me relief. No, you just do all of them. It takes two minutes, you know, that kind of way. So uh, it's it's one specific point, I think, or or a subset of them that is actually providing the relief each and every time. So it doesn't really matter. We, uh, it doesn't actually matter too much how many times you tap either or on which side, as long as you kind of get the, the general sort of, um, again, like I said, I'm not an expert, so I'm here. I'm like waffling. <laughs> no, it's okay. We're learning together because same thing with you. I've done this exercise. I've participated in it. There's several um, interpretations on this, which are totally fine. Let's yeah. let's give them ours. Let's give them yours. Just what you work yeah. through and run through. And we'll do this as a collective release for all of the anything that's happened from 2020 till now in this current timeline, right? Right. So what what I would, how I would start is just think about, you know, this from 2020, from the lockdowns, from the lies, the frustration, you know, not being able to see loved ones and 
these mandates and pushing things on people and not being able to travel, like whatever frustrations and anger or whatever, like just try to sort of remember that. And as you do, like think of a, of a level in, of intensity of zero to 10, zero being no, no distress, no frustration, 10 being, you know, maximum distress or frustration or anger. Just try to remember, you know, remember that feeling, bring that feeling up. And as you do, tap uh the karate chop point and just say put a put a name you put a name to the to the feeling so even though i feel this anger i deeply and completely accept myself and then just repeat that a couple of times even though i feel this anger as you keep tapping even though i feel this anger i deeply and completely accept myself even though i feel this anger i deeply and completely accept myself and now as you tap the points just Repeat the phrase, this anger, and try to keep the feeling sort of in your chest or wherever you feel it, you know? And, and so you tap the bridge of the nose, this anger. And then the side of the eyebrow, this anger. You tap about seven times. Then under the eye, this anger. I just try to amplify the feeling and just feel the feeling. And then under the nose, this anger. And then under the, the bottom teeth just in the kind of up above the chin this anger and then the collarbone you can do the collarbone with with two two sort of hands and then under the armpit this anger and now you can repeat it more than once but what Dawson Church the way he he kind of uh, he will let you stop you know breathe in and just kind of evaluate the feeling and you know, think about or, or feel the feeling is, has it gone up in intensity? Has it, is it the same? Has it gone down? And to be honest, I actually, I feel a little bit lighter in the chest area. That's where I was feeling a little bit of that. I obviously I didn't, we didn't have time to bring it up fully and think of all the fuckery that happened and stuff, but I do feel lighter. And, um, you, so what you can do now is if you're not at a level that you wanted to, you know, let's say you were a four and you want to bring it down, you do it again. So you can do the setup statement again and repeat it until you bring it down to like a one or a two. And just a, uh, as a as an aside, I was looking at briefly at the research. I was doing a video for one of my courses now uh, last week. And so the research it has shown benefits for people with PTSD, you know, veterans, um, people with trauma, the folks with depression, anxiety, I'm trying to remember all of them. Uh, uh, there was a number of other things. They even did one study where they measured certain um, uh, bi uh, biomarkers, like cortisol went down, uh, heart, heart rate variability and heart coherence improved. Um, and there was, I think, uh, yeah, uh, the, the blood systolic and diastolic blood pressure improved after, like pe people did, I think, like a four-day workshop about DFT and stuff like this. So the, the research shows not only like <clears throat> relief from psychological type traumas and frustrations and whatever else, but it's, it's I think it's a field, I, I, in this particular instance, the, the field of psychoneuroimmunology, where they study this in more depth. So it's got to do with how psycho, obviously psycho mind, neuro, obviously uh, nervous system, immune, uh, psychoneuro immunology and their psychoneuro endocrino 
immunology that has to do with the hormone system. So you, when you do something as simple as this, you are with through the mind, um, through through the nervous system, you're affecting, you know, your hormones that that gets released or suppressed or created more of, synthesized less, and um, that affects your immune system because those hormones affect the immune system. They're, everything is like in the mind body, it's all like one thing. So it's a pretty amazing thing. <clears throat> There's a great little book, just uh, now I forget the name of it, but Dawson Church is the guy. He's got tons of free resources. EFT Universe is the YouTube channel. So EFT, uh, you know, this is game changer, game changer, yeah, folks. It really isn't because it's a mindful, almost like acupuncture that you perform on yourself in a way to kind of purge out these feelings. And of course, you know, this has been known for a long time that the body keeps the score, right? So you have these points in which this, these areas of energy build up. And whether you think this is freaky woo-woo or not, they're physiological things, again, actionable things that you can do where you can say, hey, I'm just, um, you know, doing this physical um just sort of dance where I'm going through these points and they're just, like I said, uh, acupuncture points or anything else. You don't have to take it spiritual and woo-woo, but yeah. we all know that there's some deep, deep stuff going on there that you are really, really releasing and tapping into literally that energy to let it just kind of vent off. Think of it as like, uh, it's kind of probably going to be gross, but energetically popping a pimple, you know what I mean? You're just like, <laughs> and you get it out of you. You're just like, Ugh. now some people are super into that. So some folks are just like, yes, that works great. <laughs> So uh, we've we've brought us through. Now this is a great clean start that you've uh, brought us through with the with the health of anyone that's uh, beginning to get pregnant through the pregnancy phase. But what about folks that are already here? We have a bunch of babies and kids running around. We also have a bunch of adults running around that would like to probably change things for them for themselves for the better moving forward, uh, given the slate that they were given. So uh, what can we do as human beings already sort of exposed to all of these things and not been given the awesome start that the future kids will have been getting gotten because of you? So what about us? What about all of us out here just kind of kicking around? Well, we, there's a lot of low hanging fruit for most folks, I believe, Brandon. And it all starts with just at, at home, what we do on a daily basis, so lifestyle stuff um, and habits. And the most important things, and, and we just to, in the and just to make sure we're on the same page, page here, this is if someone, let's say, is reasonably healthy and wants to either get healthier or stay healthy or has some kind of a health condition and wants to get into better health and as optimally healthy as possible or someone that is very healthy and wants to you know get that last two three four percentage points and you know is some type of athlete or whatever else so the principles are the same pretty much with again so slight little tweaks depending on the person but the most important things, bro, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of your listeners will know this because I'm sh I am I know that's the kind of crowd you're attracting is just awake people that are aware of what's up. And uh, but just to summarize, uh, you know, we have to start with the food and the water. That's absolutely number one. You know what? I, I let, let me actually say it's not number one. The first thing is actually, our, you know, this is actually more interesting. The first thing that is even more important than your food and, and your water is your breathing, right? Now, a lot of people nowadays, we have this issue of chronic hyperventilation as, as the as the medical term is, but uh, what what we just call it um, over breathing. So there's, there's two, two components to over breathing. One is uh, breathing too, too at a too high rate, 
too many breaths per minute. And the other one is taking in too much uh, air every time. So too many, too much big breathing, big breaths, right? And this is actually not optimal breathing. And the third one is some people have this issue is uh, mouth breathing some of the time and some people all of the time, obviously, you know, not, not most, most people are not like that. That is a seriously pathological state of affairs. But uh, mouth breathing is an extremely important thing to uh, address. And this is uh extremely important in children because obviously it's a habit that's a lifelong habit now the reason mouth breathing is not good just to break it down very simply when you breathe through the mouth you expel too much carbon dioxide and that lowers that, that basically changes your blood ph and uh when you have a, a lower just to simplify it oxygen in order for oxygen to be released from the hemoglobin to your cells, there needs to be a certain concentration of carbon, di carbon dioxide in the blood. Uh, otherwise, that that uh, catalytic action can't happen. So when you breathe, let's say, uh, to give you an example, when you, let's say you, if, if anyone wants to try this that's not driving or operating heavy machinery, if you just go take 20 deep, deep, uh, big breaths through the mouth in and out <laughs> not only will that part your throat sure get dry throat but watch what happens to you right now you will notice even after i know that i did it like two or three times my pulse starts increasing when you breathe through the mouth some or all of the time you're activating your sympathetic or fight or flight nervous system Right, and that obviously you know that raises your your um, um, your pulse. It causes you know cortisol and so, uh, these uh, uh, these sympathetic um, um, hormones and, and messengers and um, um, you know you know norepinephrine uh, epinephrine or adrenaline cortisol. These get released, and now you've also lowered your carbon dioxide levels. Now you're actually ironically breathing more means you're less oxygenated. The converse. What, what do? What do? How do? How do you teach someone, or how do you get someone who's you know hyperventilating or panic, having a panic attack? How do you get them to calm the 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 heck down? You give them a paper bag, for example, and they start breathing into the paper bag. What are they doing? They're breathing in their own carbon dioxide. So now they're getting the carbon dioxide in the blood back up. That allows them to you know uh, normalize all these you know, blood pH and all this other cool stuff. So, what? What's another way to get someone to calm down? You just breathe through the nose slowly and you just expand your tummy and gently slow breaths. So um, that th that's the optimal way to breathe. Uh, breathing through the nose slowly and gently. And people that have trouble uh, with mouth breathing at night, uh, by the way, I, I should say I studied breathing with one of the, the foremost experts on breathing in the world, Patrick McKeown. Uh, if you want, Brandon, I can connect you with him. I'd be honored. He, oh, let, let me make a note of it, bro. Uh, he is awesome, bro. I studied for eight days with him in Ireland, went to his, his house where his clinic is. He's got this amazing sort of... Uh, practitioner community all around the world and he does this um he's helped people with not just asthma and uh, all these kind of uh, breathing related disorders and um obstructive sleep apneas and all, all sorts of things snoring uh, but also now he works with 
sports people like um, uh, SWAT team guys in L uh, in California, just all sorts of amazing people, athletes, like I said. Um, so that this is where I learned all this stuff from. He's written like eight or ten books at this point. And um, I've had him on my podcast and another one of his sort of uh, protégés, I want to say, one of his great students. Um, so th this is the optimal way to breathe. Oh, yeah. So what I was saying is, so folks that, he, I learned this from him, uh, and I do this every night, by the way. Folks that breathe through the, uh, the mouth at night, they will wake up with a dry mouth. They will not be as refreshed. And there's a number of other deleterious effects. So what, what we do is like, uh, what I do is I tape my mouth with uh, some 3M micropore tape, inch wide. I just put a strip of tape on my mouth. So that forces me to breathe na nasally throughout the night. And um, the reason for that is just my lower lip is very, very uh, short. It doesn't, my mouth just opens up naturally. So, but most folks that have tried this, it's a game changer. Just the way, like even the first night they do it, they just sleep so much better. Because think about it, imagine for eight hours, if, if you mouth breathe somewhere all of the time for eight hours, and you, it messes with your blood pH and it's activating your um, sympathetic fight or flight nervous system. Like you have to be in a parasympath parasympathetic state in order to sleep well, to, to, to be rest and digest state. So that's a little technique, a little, little pro tip there. But um, yeah, so there's another, it's another one of those things where, um, you know, we, we could go on and on, but let's leave it there. Folks can uh, look up Patrick McKeown, the Buteco Clinic. There's a lot of resources if you have any sort of breathing stuff or uh, and just to, to add the reason it's important for kids to teach them nasal breathing from an early age is when your mouth is open all the time uh, your tongue is sort of like you know uh, it's compressed when you close your mouth and the, the tongue is at the top of sort of your palate it's more splayed out laterally to the to the to the sides and that pushes your teeth out to the sides and that actually uh, in small kids it um uh, it it sort of creates a wide jaw, so it it creates the it, the right environment for facial and jaw development, and um, uh, basically, uh, kids that mouth breathe will have a higher chance of having crooked teeth because of the jaw sort of being more sort of constricted uh, and long and narrow. So this is important. There's some very good research that actually shows that kids with sleep disordered breathing at the age of three, I think it was have a much higher chance of having special education needs by the time they're eight years old. So, you know, kids with ADHD, et cetera, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of that can be traced back to, or at least exacerbated by mouth breathing, right? So breathing, breathing right is, is we've, we've forgotten the, this, this amazing art of breathing, right? You have to breathe slow, uh, small breaths. I mean, there's still deep breaths because you're feeling, you, you know, you're you're using your diaphragm, but it's like this slow breath. You know, it's it's quite a it's quite a beautiful thing to see. I think it was Lao Tzu or something like that said that um, the perfect man or the perfect warrior uh, is. I'm just paraphrasing. Their breathing is imperceptible. So if you can hear your breathing, you're breathing too 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 fast or too much. If if um, if uh, uh, Another person can notice that you're breathing. You're, you're probably still breathing not optimally. You have to go to the state where you can barely perceive yourself breathing. So no noise, like, like you can't actually feel noise. You can barely see any movement in the person's sort of, you know, chest or like the belly just very slowly and gradually expands and contracts. So it's this kind of thing. Um, 
but you know we we can we can put a cork in that one for a while the other the other important things is obviously food and water and we don't have to belabor this point people should know organic ancestrally sort of focused food so if it if it was there 200 if your grandmother ate it or your granddad ate it probably you can eat it you know 200 years ago what food was available what food was available for your ancestors for the longest time these are the foods that your body is most adapted to eat most likely obviously water reverse osmosis distilled water this kind of stuff super important another thing that people often forget is the shower filter which i already mentioned um but also the air filter the air purifier i always like to mention this to people because from my research into the, the toxins and all this stuff um a lot of things like plasticizers flame retardants phthalates you know things in plastics and um mo yeah mostly plastics really a lot of these things actually get carried around your home by dust so you're if you have a lot of of, of a, you have a, a dust situation it's not just the dust that can you know Mess, mess with you it's what the dust is carrying that is um uh important to filter that's why these purify air purifiers they're 100 bucks get one for your kids room for your for your master bedroom and for your main living spaces like your office your living room this is super important so these are these are the the um, the basics you know and we can always of course depending on where what direction you want to take it, we can always elaborate on other ways to stay healthier get healthier yeah, I love it because you make us paranoid as shit um, from all the shit, like just floating around in the air now. And uh, now I'm just going to uh, process out my how we do have an air purifier. And now I just can't think it can't stop thinking about going and turning it on. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you you have all these wonderful actionable things, but it's just about being mindful, set it and forget it and move on because there's early things in this, like your osmosis filter. And then you just set it to uh, change those things out and then you're good to go. But it's like you said, uh, just actionable things that you can put into place just as like the wish unit here. You know, we're throwing... Uh, coherent spaces. Um, we're, we're taking all of the ions in the air and changing them. So as well, you can do this with the dust floating around in your house, even mitigate that, but also take the, God, the plastics floating around on that. It's things you don't even think about, Christian. So thanks a lot, yeah. buddy. Uh, but you have all of this stuff and your website is a phenomenal resource. So all of this stuff is linked up, the water filters, everything like that. So all of it's going to be linked. Uh, I did want to come back to epigenetics with you. This idea that things that uh, happened before us affect us now in a way that we cannot do anything about. Now, Dr. Bruce H. Lipton, who I bring up all the time on the show, uh, talks about this uh, at length about this epigenetic thing about is, is, is it that our genetics predetermine our health, our ideals, our mindset, and even our success or non-success, right? So what are your thoughts on that? I just want to add to this as well that I've heard of people having challenges in life and they were brought either regressed somehow or gotten to the akashic records or somehow intuitively guided to locate the source of their disease in their body now was when they were in the womb with their mom and their dad and her were like fighting all the time or like he beat her or something like that and so there's a big um challenge later on that's manifested in this baby that had nothing to do with the situation you know ideally we could take it as far up woo woo as you want but uh, that's kind of the question, man, the epigenetic uh, question, as well as the effect that something in that in the womb has on a baby later on. Yeah, bro, like this, this is such a, um, such an awesome question, such a deep topic as well. Like at the moment, um, when, whenever I'm not working on like uh, this, this course that I'm working on at the moment, I'm up to my gills in studies on genetics and, and this kind of stuff. And uh, man, like 
where where to even begin so absolutely things that <clears throat> things that happen in the womb affect the 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 child for possibly sometimes for life just a simple example we we it's called something something called um um maternal immune activation this when the mother's immune system is activated during pregnancy this uh, you know the 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 placenta placenta is not a barrier there's permeable to many, to many molecules so a lot of uh, immune molecules cytokines and messengers and so on they they can get through the placenta and and likewise from from the fetus uh, out into the mom and this this basically creates the the foundations of the immune system of the child and um that th- that has itself it literally it, this turns off certain genes on and off and the mother's nu- nutrition right so s- s- for example certain b vitamins folate uh for example it's used in you know um uh, some of them are used in creating dna like synthesizing the you know the substrates for dna purines ribidines you know uh nucleosides nucleotides all this stuff so the nutritional status of affects us obviously through from an epigenetic standpoint so we have this certain set let, let's just kind of start start at the bottom at the beginning we have this certain set of genes and some of us have poly uh, uh various gene variants called snips sing, single snp SNPs, single nucleotide polymorphisms. So these are basically where uh, a, a section of the gene is, is slightly different. So there's a couple of variants. For example, there's a famous gene MTHFR, methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase gene. And I have the what's known as the most serious uh, SNP of that, where the enzyme that the gene codes for works at like 50% efficiency. And that has to do with folate metabolism. Now, what that can do just having that one gene itself you have this whole cycle of enzymes that are coded for by genes so if you have so that's for me is a vulnerability so if you have like a number of these which all of us have certain things that are we could say are vulnerabilities to something <clears throat> not necessarily that you will get triggered it's all got to do with you know epigenetics again lifestyle factors certain foods and nutrients turn certain genes on and off and so on and so forth um so if if left unchecked if i didn't know that if left unchecked this genetic variation can lead to um a hom- homocysteine to build up now homocysteine high levels of homocysteine are is associated with atherosclerosis depression um uh, pregnancy loss right and a number of other things and these things run in my family coincidence I don't know. The more I the more I think about it, the more I study this stuff, the more I don't think so. The more I think these things that run in my family are because certain variations in our gene, gene you know our genetic makeup that create this predisposition. So what do I do? Well, I figure out, I look at the research um or a subset of it because there's been thousands of studies on this particular gene alone. Um 
I do. What do you do about it? So, for example, in my case, for the MTHFR gene, you know, I take creatine that reduces some of the demands of the methylation system, which is what this gene is a part of. Uh, I take trimethylglycine, which can lower uh, homocysteine. I take the the right types of methylated B vitamins, a high quality B vitamin complex, and so this is one gene. So, for example, if we run a genetic panel. And you get like 70 genes like that are well researched, well studied. We can look at a person's, uh, you know, genotype for sp- their specific vulnerabilities and say, okay, uh, for example, uh, just another example for myself, I have two detoxification genes that are completely missing from my genome. Some people have them, some people don't. Uh, not sure why, uh, but I don't have those two, which means that the other detoxification enzyme genes, uh, the enzymes that get coded for by those genes, they have to work harder. And one way to upregulate those uh, uh, detoxification enzymes is cruciferous vegetables. And this starts to get very interesting now, bro, about food preferences and eating instinctively. I'll give you another example. This blew my mind. So we, there's a there's certain uh, uh, gene called COMT, Catecho-O-methyltransferase. And this one, it's involved in quite a lot of things, including estrogen metabolism. It breaks down things like dopamine and catecho, uh, you know, norepinephrine, catechols they're called. So my gene works normal. I have no polymorphisms in it. But what that, what ca- that can do is it can, br- now the enzyme is expressed well, it's function, there's a lot of it and it's working well. That means you break down dopamine too fast, low dopamine levels. What can that lead to? It can lead to addictive behaviors, thrill seeking, adrenaline seeking. And I definitely have an addictive personality from an early age. Now, interesting thing, my wife, she has a a variation of the gene where that enzyme actually works slower. And um, apparently uh, quercetin, which is found in onions, can slow that gene down even more. But my detoxification genes, because I have those deletions and some other polymorphisms, it's in my report, it said that eating cruciferous vegetables and onions and garlic upregulates those genes so they work better. Now, I'm a massive onion lover in stewed soups, salads, and um, uh, just anything I cook. I love to slap as much onion in there. My wife, on the other hand, is always like either scooping it out of her plate or is like, don't put so much onion. Always, bro. So in her case, the quercetin in the onion is slowing her gene down, which is already, the, the enzyme is already slow because the gene is expressed, you know, it has a polymorphism. In my case, it's so fast that the onions are slowing me down. So I seem to be addic- not addicted to onions, but like craving onions. Could it be an in- instinctual thing? And when you, and dude, when you, it, when you start unraveling the layers here, it's absolutely mind-blowing. Now, I have uh, some files with printed research printed, like some thick-ass uh, ring binders with research. So I'm, I'm only like, I believe I'm only like scratching the surface with my research. But um, there is so much to be said about the foods that we take in and how they're affecting our, our you know, the, the ways our genes are, are expressed. I, I think, let, let me stop there in case you kind of have any further questions because I, I kind of will go on forever and then forget what you even asked me. No, it's an interesting point and it's brilliant the way you put it up because now I'm just curious about my code and and just to see why, because I would, I would be, I, would, I don't consider myself like a picky eater. It's just, I don't, 
there's a lot of foods that I'm not a fan of and just for different reasons, virgins, texture, all kinds of stuff. So maybe though it is maybe something to more, more geared to me genetically to be an inversion. Like I'm just, a, I be. just don't want that. That's fascinating, man. I, I'm Bro, very interested it, to talk. If you about want, it. if you want, we can, we can send, um, we can send a DNA kit. You can, you can do a test if you want, or for your wife as well, whatever you want. Dude, let's and do this because I'd be interested to re reveal the results to the audience as well to let them know that you facilitate this and that they can go to you for this. I I would, to be honest, I was I was already gonna. I've been offering because uh, I started working with this lab. Now they're in Europe, and they only the lab only tests for the genes that you are paying for the 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 you know the report for they don't do other research that no fuckery involved they destroy the sample after three months so this these are companies i love to work so i would do i would love to i want to see if there's like some type of gene in there that you know we can upregulate in me to make me as fucking positive and awesome as you <laughs> <laughs> well we'll see maybe it's like a yeah and maybe that's the thing and that was another question i had for you because this better be an aligned ass company because i will say this with all sovereignty and intent that I do not submit for uh, my bloodline being tracked. Because if they like, you know, get in there and they find out like I'm some sort of, I don't know, super Octurian or some shit that I don't even know about. You know what I mean? Like in Men in Black, when the chick was like the queen and she didn't even know it, uh, something like that. Then they'll come out and then the UFOs will come out. Maybe that's something that will happen from all of this. I'm all about it bro, though. Either way, and I'm bro, very I'm sorry. Interested. I'm sorry to my wife is big into the ancestry stuff. So back in like tw late 2018 or whatever, dude. We both gave our DNA to fucking 23andMe. So, you know, it's I got over it, to be honest. I, I'm not happy about it to this day, but I don't think I don't think them having my DNA affects me or it can it can uh, in any it, they're powerless to do yeah. anything in my, you know, okay, sure. Maybe when they colonize Mars, there'll be a bunch of Christian slaves building the <laughs> fucking walls or whatever. I don't know. I don't <laughs> care. Bro. Yeah, there's a bunch care. of secret space versions of us running around out there. Yeah. That's what this is. It's not for anything yeah, having yeah. to do with you now. They're just grabbing your shit to clone you and make you part of the Clone Wars on some other planet <laughs> in some other dimension. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we say this in jest because I agree with you. I don't, any, nothing outside of me uh, has sovereignty over me. And, and so that's interesting, though, because I was going to ask about the 23andMe and what the difference was between this. But it sounds like you said it all with your tone there. So well, it sounds I, like I, you I found just, the version just, that works. I'll tell you, there's a slight difference with this lab they only like this report is only like 60 or 70 genes with 23 me they give a lot of data so in my case um i could take a specific gene like let's say one of these reports they're on different reports this company let's say a, a certain report has a gene that i i don't have in in like their standard report i can go back to my 23 and me and find that gene and see what, what, what if i have a snip or not you know um so they give you a lot more data but um there's companies that also do whole genome sequencing now that i would you know i remember one black friday sale they were doing back when i was on facebook three four years ago and for two three hundred dollars you can get your whole genome sequence so if someone does want all the data there's other companies that do it but in what what I think is all that data for now is not really necessary because you want genes that have plenty of research backing the validity. So you want something that has clinical validity um, because, you know, we don't want to just have correlative things. Oh, this this one is associated with cancer, but how is it? Oh, okay. So they studied like 20,000 people and like there's a weak correlation that it, it, we don't want to like 
induce paranoia with right. over analysis you want specific things so like i said this this mthfr one like it's definitely associated with certain you know delet- uh, certain pregnancy outcomes atherosclerosis depression and like these are like very actionable things that you can uh, do stuff about with diet nutrition and lifestyle so i i feel like uh these reports like they're one main report that i'll share with you i think that is more than enough for most people there's just fun fact we're just talking about um uh you know certain people have certain aversions for foods and certain cravings and stuff there's actually a gene i haven't looked into it too deeply yet but about how you taste bitter things so in certain people you're like a, a, a sort of you taste bitter in foods you're more sensitive to it and less that you can be less sensitive so this is one of those sort of um survival mechanisms so like obviously a lot of poison poisonous things in nature are bitter so the quicker you can taste something is bitter the, the faster you can like you know spit it out or and you survive know. yeah so there's and like there's the very... people who uh taste cilantro like soap like my wife and i love cilantro we make like yeah. uh, street tacos and shit all the time we love it put it in salsa and all that my uh sister-in-law mm. though same same vagina same came out of the same mom and she thinks that cilantro tastes like soap and so therefore yeah. just doesn't care for it and has an aversion to it wow it is interesting what a yeah. fascinating place dude and uh, the work you're doing is incredible man and so again all the ways to find him located down below before we wrap here i wanted to ask you about the silliest conspiracy theory because you go deep into all this kind of stuff and uh, i really wanted to make sure that we featured your work plus you're going to be back to talk about all kinds of shit uh oodles of time so in the <laughs> meantime though I wanted to kind of dive into what you think just the silliest conspiracy theory is, just one that you find just absolutely silly and ridiculous. Silly as I don't think it's true, or I think it's very implausible, or that well, silly, What in what way silly? Yeah, give me a, a little of all of it, actually, because there are some that are really silly that you could see as not being true, and that's why they're silly, or you could see them being so true because they're so ridiculous. You know, uh, like, for instance, the uh, Richard Branson thing in the, God, I want to say it was late 80s, early 90s, he created a hot air balloon uh, that was shaped like a UFO, and then he hired a little person to get inside of it in, a, in an alien outfit, and then whenever it flew over and landed, so a bunch of people reported this UFO and then it landed and this guy hopped out dressed as an alien, which lucky he didn't get shot or something like this. You know, I don't think it was really thought through, but that's a silly ass, you know, conspiracy theory type thing to do, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, so yesterday I interviewed the dude, Howdy Mikoski, and I, I, I'm not saying I, th- I think his theory is silly. If I have him on my podcast, I definitely have thought a lot about from a philosophical standpoint, but I, I think it's quite an outrageous theory is the, the one that um, we are here, basically our souls are being tricked into um, reincarnating. And this is like some type of, you know, the, the, the Gnostics or Demiers here. I think this one, not, not necessarily it's silly, but it's like a lot of things that I've tried to debunk and I, I come I come to think that, okay, now this must be true because I cannot ha- cannot debunk it or I'm giving it some credibility. So this one, it, it's it's making, it's not that it's keeping me up at night, but I'm, I've been thinking a lot of, you know, could it be, you know, could it be that maybe this is not, like we all want to think it's a little bit of a new age, airy fairy sort of thing. It's a school when we come here and we're incarnating for our, but like if you're so, if your soul is a powerful being, um, why, why do you need to be here? You know, and, and I, my, my personal sort of 
thought is, you know, if you were like a godlike being, how do you learn and grow and develop? And I, my my sort of argument is, well, you you limit yourself in some type of form. Yeah. If you're an expansive, limitless being, you put yourself in a physical form with limitations, and now you you make yourself forget, and then you see what it's like to to be limited to have limitations to to not be infinite to have pain and so that's kind of my i guess the the story i tell myself to to continue because i do have i do sort of believe i definitely believe that it's almost like a religious belief i don't have necessarily evidence to prove it that we we this is for our our benefit this is for our own good and the fact that there is pain the uh, and suffering is um it's just the a side of the, the the same coin you know this is a duality that we are in uh, you know so that's one um silly like i think this 5d ascension stuff is absolute horse shit bro <laughs> like i i got one dude i got one dude uh, that sends me like this weekly report that and literally every fucking week it's the cabal is about to be defeated. A new world, a new monetary system, the quantum financial system. And it's like every weekend, like I, I just, for, for for shits and giggles, I went back a year into, into it. And it was the same sort of thing with just different details. It's like, yeah, the cabal are close to getting defeated, you know? And it's like, I don't know, bro. Uh, I, I don't believe, I don't, to be honest, I don't believe in um, any of these Anunnaki's and, that we were seeded by aliens here. I honestly don't even, I personally don't even believe that this reality is actually a physical reality. I, I don't believe we are physical beings. I believe I'm more of the, I'm more of the sort of belief that uh, we, we are somewhere like in the North Pole, let's say Hyperborea, and we are there in our whatever our true self is we are now projecting ourselves here into like this grand theater or whatever you want to call it and we are almost having like a dream this is the dream and then when you die you 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 basically become or you go back to who you are uh this is kind of where i'm at anyway what's your any any sort of did that sort of answer your question or no, it totally didn't it's a great point i love i love hearing people's perspectives on this stuff and it's interesting to hear it through uh like I said, just different perspectives. And so the, yeah. what you're talking about here, the Archon soul trap is sort of what this thing's been called. I've been thinking a lot about this lately. It's just synchronistic that you bring it up, of course. And so uh, one of the things with this is the things like the Anunnaki and um, the Pleiadians and all of those things, I think they're fun and awesome and badass. Now, I don't write them out as absolute experiences that these people, whoever they are, are having. And so what I will say to this is, like you said, uh, this being more of a projected reality in any way that we want it to be, there are a lot of stories that people experience here and they are very very true for them but it's not consensus reality true right but what's interesting about it is the wisdom and the fractality that seems to be in all of these different experiences can be ubiquitous you know in a sense uh meaning ubiquitously experienced in different uh, subjective ways so let's take like the uh, psychedelic experience near-death experience anything like that there there are artifacts i feel of a simulated reality that we're in that we're participating in to where, like you said, a fractalized version of us is having that experience because for them, they need to have it in that way, articulate it in that way to get them to the next level of understanding. Just like a, a teacher that's able to explain a math problem 10 different ways to get those kids to the same answer, but it, it was through 10 different paths, filtered through 10 different uh, perspectives and things mm. like that. A real tailored experience, if you will. Mm. And so that's something that I find fascinating. Now to this 
way of saying like 5D ascension and all of that, perhaps there is a not a reason to this game, but maybe there's sort of an objective, you know, beyond learning and growing. Maybe the learning and growing leads us to not only the learning and growing, but a yes and of a sort of discovering that we are playing a game and that we're all one thing and that the discovery of that through conversations and through people being visited by portions of themselves that then told them that they're the Anunnaki and then get us into Sitchin's work and get us into really questioning. I think that's what it's really all about is uh, opening uh, critical thinking as far as it can go. And we do mm-hmm. that with the possibilities and just what people find are possible. So rather you find validity in the fact that it exists or not, you're still able to sort of cognitively step into the world with that person and say, you know what, in a on a planetary system, if there are, you know, the Fermi paradox and all that, if there are all these other creatures, then perhaps one could have come here. And the fact that it's possible, that's it. The fact that you can hold a possibility as a potentiality and not rule it out. Now, it's beautiful about all of these things, our perception, the Anunnaki uh, simulated, all of these are not provable in a sense, but also not falsifiable. So you find yourself in this beautiful valley of potentiality. (laughs) And so that's where I'm at with it, man. But this Archon Soul Trip I have been thinking about, and like you, I get to this point with it where I'm like, well, either we're all powerful, we're all not. But also I'm not to the point to where I'm limited in my thinking that my understanding extends beyond this world or, or stops at this world rather. Let's say that this life, right? And we end in this life and we die. And maybe there's something after this. Perhaps that's just a chapter two that builds on what you learned in chapter one, but from a completely different like dimension and standpoint. Now there's like uh triality instead of duality. And then you basically take this and build into the next one. Like who the fuck knows, right? But again, yeah. With it, it does seem like you, I feel that this place is a growing environment of sorts, just simply because of our perspective of time, that we experience time, which just gives us change over duration, right? So uh, this this is an interesting thing to me, but I love what you said. And as far as, like I said, calling out the validity on, yes, this is what's happening as far as um, 5D ascension or this uh, particular alien coming down and saying this thing to this person, like those things I don't put the B word in as far as believe, but I do believe that these people had a very serious and significant experience that changed them in a certain way that was very tailored to them. And I believe mm-hmm. in the possibility of that existing for all of us. So therefore mm-hmm. I can't rule any of it out. You know what I mean? I love that, bro. I, it's, that is truly an expanded, an expansive freaking worldview. And I love this. So I love you. I, I have to, <clears throat> I have to say, one thing I kind of think I know for sure, though, is we are, and I love this, bro. I love this so much. It gives me so much sort of security. We are all emanations of source. We are thoughts in the mind of the creator. Now, how far removed are we from the creator? How many layers? Well, it's hard to say. It seems like, it, to me, it seems like we are very much in the grand scheme of things, very very much a, a tiny little a tiny little speck because if 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 the all is infinite well there you go like literally the mind can this this the, the reason i i feel like we're so small compared to the grand scheme of things is if we cannot comprehend this like i had like i don't actually haven't talked about this on on the record but i had one um uh experience on um on acid bro where it was so beautiful like like I, I i could almost see like the the expansion of like worlds 
and worlds and universes and universes and how it's it's literally like a fractal that can go infinite right and at that point this beauty and i saw the the the, the beautiful organization of it all and it it got it was so beautiful and it got so overwhelming i was so overwhelmed by the beauty bro i i i was in bed <clears throat> and i jumped out of bed and i basically i i had a i had an episode my 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 wife i i i was like started saying i thought i was going crazy i thought i was going crazy bro and uh, i was sorry to apologize to my wife i thought i could call me an ambulance you know call me <laughs> I asked, I need a shaman. I thought I need a shaman. Call me, <laughs> call me Chris. Uh, some guys that I, I interviewed that have worked with shamans in Peru, you know, um, Pat, Matt Palomar, Mateo. They call Mateo, like find someone, I need help. I need a shaman to help me get me out of this. And it got, it was really bad. And then I had all these like smudges and, um, you know, there's um, Agua, what do you call that? Um, that the, Agua de Florida. And I, I, I started like, I took the Agua de Florida and I just started spraying it on myself, you know, hoping that like whatever. <clears throat> and what, it's it's based in alcohol, you know, it's Agua de Florida, it's like perfume. And I feel like that maybe the, the, the alcohol, because you know, like benzodiazepine is like a trip killer, um, but uh, uh, alcohol kind of hit, does the same thing as it has to do with whatever the, the GABA receptor, I don't, I don't remember the science behind it, but I did that. It's kind of like started taking me down, but it was so, <clears throat> it was so overwhelming. That at that point I realized that, you know, it's beautiful. That is beautiful, but in our human state, we are here for a reason. In the human state, and in this human state, we are not ready to experience that whatever that expansiveness is. And maybe when we die, or maybe it's like <clears throat> what you were saying when you were on my podcast. You know, to you have to. Success and all this manifestation stuff has to happen in stages because if it happens tomorrow, you you don't have your nervous system. You don't have the capacity to embody that yet. So I feel like maybe uh, it, the, this is God's game where each little speck that He throws out into the infinity, it's like a boomerang that will one day merge back to source. And on the way back, at this incredible journey. And God is like, I'm going to, and it's like, a, again, like infinity. If you can imagine the all splintering into like infinity pieces and it's in each piece and it's because it's infinite, it's seeing everything from the, the like each atom in the air and in everything is seeing all the other atoms from that perspective. And the omniscience of, of the all is seeing everything from every possible angle. So infinity times infinity angles. And it's like, it's this amazing game. It wants to play with itself because it's the all. It can do whatever the fuck it wants. And, but if if you start to like, it, it, this is a, probably a bad thing to start thinking about when you're on some entheogen because you, you may indeed go <laughs> kukura. So, um, I think that's why the 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 the, the brain or the, the the human mind is like okay I'm done here I think yeah. I'm 
It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I'm not ready. So that's, I, I agree but, with you. Yeah, I, I yeah. really do. I, I've felt this in my own experience here about elation, about pure joy, about like how happy I'm able to be here. And I've talked about this. And um, it, it's this thing about your nervous system because our nervous systems, because of the conditioning, because of all of that good stuff, uh, then it, it's been very trained to be very comfortable in a nervous situation. And so it's very interesting when you start pushing joy and elation and freedom and you've shunned that nervousness and you've shunned your worthiness and imposter syndrome and all that. And you just sit with actual joy and elation and pure happiness for your sovereignty and who you are. That in itself is a shock to your nervous system, man. And so to what you said as well, these psychedelic experiences, sometimes they put you in that state where you're able to mentally handle it, but it's just almost too much. It's almost too much and it's beautiful. And that's why when we come back for those experiences, we go, dude, the colors, I, I couldn't even explain it. Like there's no colors around here that explain what we <laughs> see over there. There's no amount of freedom and expansiveness and creativity and instant manifestation that we experience over there that we do here. So like you, it, it's, it figures in my mind, it figures that it's for a point, like that there's a reason that it's so governed. Yes, we have access to it in the same way though, like you said, maybe we're not supposed to, but what I think uh, to that is we're not supposed to all at once, like you said, I feel that those things are here for us, just like elation, joy, our ability to heal and move forward, like the the power that gives you from being able to write your own story. Those things, those are trips in their in themselves, and those are power powerful emitters that get you more in tune to be able to handle that frequency, literally. And so, this is what I feel that we're building our nervous systems up from is the bottom of the expansive ability to perceive the lowest fear, scarcity, all of those things only to say, okay, there's the bottom. And then here we go. What's that saying? Uh, you can, uh, man's roots have to reach to hell before you can reach to heaven. And mm -hmm. so it's about reaching this real stable, I feel varied base for yourself so that you can really experience the whole scope of what this reality, as far as duality and all of these things have to offer, if that's what's going on. And then, like you said, afterwards, it's just over and you integrate. But like you said as well, maybe there is codes hidden within this that maybe it is a goddamn Archon soul trap, dude. And when you die, you shouldn't go to the light. And your job is to turn around and look. And if you do that, you beat the game and everybody claps for you. Otherwise, you do get sort of in this loop, you know, until you can figure it out. But it seems that there are many things here, if you want to look at it like that, as that would beat the game or that would beat the simulation and open this thing up. And all that means is bringing us all back to singularity. And for enough of us, as far as a critical mass goes, to realize that it's a simulation and that it's a game and that we're all one. That's all it takes. And it's not even all of us. It's just a certain percentage. Yeah. I, I the, the, one of the sort of holes I kind of <clears throat> want, to, want to, like, again, I don't want to believe the, the Demiurge and the, the sort of the Archon stuff. I don't want to believe it. But again, I am open-minded, I believe. But one of the sort of holes I want to poke in that sort of theory is, well, when you sleep, I don't know if, if if you would agree with me here, but when you sleep, you feel like there is some type of base consciousness, right? You, you you have some type of base awareness, right? So I feel like when you die, at the very least, it will be like that, right? At the very least. And maybe over time, as, as your senses leave you, uh, that you know that let's say let's say your soul is contained in a body i don't know i don't know if it's a physical thing but let's say you're contained so it's like you you have this container this box when the the senses and the the body sort of dissipates that consciousness now is unencumbered and i feel like at that point 
it's some type of potentiality. And if you were if if you were primordial consciousness, you know you're part of the the base consciousness that animates everything that gives you know the entire universe, the existence, existence it, that being is emanating from from there. At that point, maybe maybe you are now you know a creator maybe you are a creator and the fact that we are all here and we have a consensus reality because we we have not we should not forget that we have consensus reality i don't subscribe to solipsism that you create the world and like if i die you're all gone and that's kind of it's a little bit egotistical i think satanic even um but uh if you were that sort of divine spark as how the uh, he says i think you know maybe a bunch of us divine sparks organized into the earth so we, it's like how uh you know a cloud forms so we 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 now uh you know what 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 once you have a mass of something like a snowball it it wants to it goes bigger as it rolls down the hill so maybe these sparks are kind of the self organizing units of consciousness that decided to create this realm this world here and we are here you know and maybe the earth is like let's say infinity minus a thousand years old and then it will live for another infinity minus a thousand years and it will dissipate and these sparks of consciousness or when they uh, they transform transmute they be, maybe they go to other dimensions other worlds and create other worlds so maybe we are we are like atoms on a much grander scheme of things there are sparks of consciousness or divine sparks and we like either self-organizing or there's other you know larger entities or whatever i definitely can't rule that out that they're organizing us into place um it's like a, when you see a, a school of fish suddenly change speed it could be that you know, there's definitely like and i don't want to call them uh, entities controlling us, but it they, we we cannot say for sure that there it's a negative thing because there's still good parts to life. Uh, if it was just a negative thing, you know, we, it would be like the Matrix. We're just getting you know constant fear, constant hell, and constant extraction, evolution, energy. But um, you know, I I really really think that we know so little again with our limited human senses that anything is possible, and um. You know, I, I this this is where I'm at my wit's end. This kind of where I I I can't really I don't know much. This is why I continue to study these things and think about them. You know a ton, man. And and really, what it is is in my mind like a remembering. And really, that's what these conversations are. And so it's about all of this in my mind. Also, is not about solving it. It's just sort of realizing that there's something bigger going on. And that's really revel in the I, mystery. Yeah, yeah, and enjoy the shit out and play really, but. <laughs> There's a lot of this stuff I feel um, can be taken too goddamn seriously. This place is fun and it's meant to be played in. And that's honestly, if you're talking manifestation, if you're a practicer of that, your joy is directly related to your speed of manifestation. That's directly related. That's why kids are just boom, boom, boom. And uh, just really tapped in is because they're not encumbered, as you said, I love that word, uh, by some sort of belief system that they're not capable of doing so. Then they don't second guess and backtrack and uh, think about the responsibilities and all that. There's none of that. It's unencumbered from any of those things. This is why like, it becomes more challenging, I suppose, but you also have more rational ways of going about your healing, You know, to be able to navigate it a little bit better. Before, you don't need as much healing because you're just open and you can just 
do. But again, uh, in that place of vulnerability also is where you're taken advantage of and created a lot of trauma. And so this is where we find ourselves. It's just an interesting, uh, beautiful symphony that is this, this life, this creation, this realm, this, whatever the fuck this is. And dude, mm-hmm. I'm grateful that you're here with us. So uh, all the ways, of course, to find you are going to be located down in the show notes, my friend. Uh, we're going to do this a bajillion more times, if that's cool with you. I believe that's oh, a unit sure. of measurement. Uh, <laughs> and we will make sure we get all those in. And um, sure. But just Christian, you're enough. I can't thank you enough, man. Uh, amazing. Brendan, thank you so much, bro. Uh, you know, what an honor. Oh, that's all I can say. You know, what an honor, privilege, pleasure to know you and, you know, to spend time with you. Uh, having conversations like this, man. <clears throat> Love you. Love you, brother. Love you, brother. Love you.